You are now listening to Men of March, presented by StudentUnionSports.com. And welcome back to the Men of March podcast. We have a special edition of the podcast. Our guy, Nate Marcus, is turning 23 in just a few hours, our favorite fifth-year college basketball analyst. Nate, how does it feel? Old. Very old. <laughs> 23 on a college campus, is uh, it feels old. But uh, SMU gave me a nice little birthday present, knocking off Houston. That's the huge result that's happened in college basketball so far tonight. Uh, SMU was not SMU. Houston was number seventh in the AP poll this week. Uh, they were nine and zero in the AAC, and SMU just knocked them off, eighty five, eighty three, in a thriller at Moody Coliseum. Yeah, and just the I saw old President Bush was happy about that one. I love SMU today. I finally won a bet, so I'm pretty stoked. But I'm happy for our our guy Kendrick Davis, who might be the most underappreciated point guard in college basketball the last few seasons he's like like Nate he's been in college forever <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he didn't need that one but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's just friendly joking here but um K- Kendrick Davis averaging 19 and a half points he's been a stalwart for SMU the last few seasons since transferring from Fort Worth at Fort Worth he kept him in the game scored 22 points which is awesome on the defensive end too. He the sits five at sits at five eleven or stands at five and eleven rather, and had seven boards against Houston. Directed the offense. The Weathers brothers were awesome as well. Um, Marcus and Michael, and this is a roster that basically was rebuilt from last season. Uh, all f- outside of Davis, everyone else in their starting lineup has is new other the only returning player was um emmanuel bandamel and everyone else were transfers coming in zach Newtall from sam houston state and smu they're a team that wasn't really on the bubble just outside of it and now it kind of puts them into turn in tourney conversation as well yeah from a tournament perspective that win for smu was everything uh First quadrant one win for the ponies. They still have like very they still have a lot of work to do. Like, if we're being honest, they need to just keep winning games. The only game they're not favored in the rest of the year is going to be Houston. And if they can just win every game except that one and then lose in the AAC tournament final, they would be like 26 and seven. And like when you accumulate that many wins, it's just kind of hard to keep a team out. So losses to Missouri, loss to Loyola Marymount those were two games that got away from them at the Jacksonville classic and uh, tough to look back on, but those are the only two bad losses road losses against Wichita state and Cincinnati aren't horrible. The Oregon game, eh. but yeah, SMU has put themselves in position to be in position is what I feel like people like to say. Yeah. And, and what, that team's had so much talent over the last few years. And so putting it together with and seeing Kendrick Davis in the NCAA tournament would be pretty awesome. He'll be the conference player of the year. And let's give Houston some, um, 
some credit too. You know, they're up 15 in that game. They've been doing, I saw they were projected as a four seed going into this game from the ESPN broadcast. And I couldn't imagine having to play that team in the sweet, having a great season. This might drop them down to a five and having like a team like Auburn having a historic season and having to play Houston in the sweet 16. Like it was an all time run from SMU to win this game. Yeah, like Houston came out of the gates just firing on all cylinders. It was unbelievable the way they were shooting the ball. And SMU kind of kept scoring. And then uh, Houston had some foul trouble. They had to go to his – Houston had to go to his zone. And Kendrick Davis and Michael Weathers really just picked that apart. And that was kind of when the run happened to bring them back in the game. So, stoked for the ponies. Stoked for the – there hasn't been a lot to cheer for in Dallas. So. That's right. So. And good for the American, too, because the American, they haven't – they're a one-bid league, and so this kind of gives them hope to get a second team in there. The last other big home result from yesterday that puts another team back in the NCAA tournament run, how about um, Eric Musselman getting a reason for him to take his shirt off once again, knocking off the number one team in the land in Auburn in overtime? Uh, Arkansas is good. The last time, like, they were, like, a team that we talked about, like, or at least I talked about earlier this season on the podcast after they lost, started 0-3 in the SEC, and it was like, are they bad? And all they've done since then is win eight games, in, nine games in a row, a lot of them by double digits. None of them, I mean, the Auburn in overtime and Texas A&M in overtime were nail biters, but everyone else has been by at least by eight points. Uh, they're on a really good run, won some tough games. I'm really impressed with what the Hogs are doing. That was just like a season-defining result last night, and they'll get Alabama on Saturday, so chance yeah. to keep the momentum going. And it's just kind of the JD note that we thought we would that, that we thought we would see in the, in the preseason. The way he's kind of really taken off, averaging 19 points a game now, and he's just been uh, he's been really carrying the that Hogs offense. I love watching JD Note JD Note play basketball. He's a chucker, but like they need him to chuck, and he takes some ill-advised shots, but he's electric, super deep range, gets to the rim really well, and he's among the nation's leaders in steals too, which is not something that you expect for someone who gives that much effort on offense. So, good on him for being a balanced player on both ends of the floor. So Arkansas is moving along. And let's talk a little bit about the Purdue Boilermakers, just what we thought was going to be a grinded out Big Ten game. Illinois coming off um, that big road win at Indiana, had to play the other Indiana team in the Big Ten in Purdue, and things didn't go as well. How about Jaden Ivey? <laughs> I mean – uh, he's unbelievable. He's so good. Like uh, the whole time, like we talk college basketball, but obviously we're looking at these guys at the next level too. The whole season, it's kind of been like Chet Paolo and Jabari Smith and like watching Jay Ivey play. It's just hard to like not think of him as at least on the level of like those guys when it comes to like pro potential, you watch the things he does and he's a 40% three point shooter. He's really good in the pick and roll. He can jump out of the gym. There's a noticeable difference when you watch him play against college players. Like when there's pro players on the court, 
and there's not pro players on the court, it's like, oh yeah, that guy is much better than him and yeah. much better than the rest of those guys. I think it's just I, crazy. Yeah, I think it's just cr- also crazy just how much big talent is, is in the Big Ten. Because you watch Johnny, da- Johnny Davis, who had a big road win at Michigan State, State scoring 25 points on 11 shots, shooting 70% from the floor, doing whatever he wants. And then you go back to doubleheader head and you see Jaden Ivey. And just watching those two guys play back-to-back in the same conference, it's something we haven't really seen a long in a long time in the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten is just going to have just the three All-American teams are just going to be littered with Big Ten players between Kofi, Zach Eady, Jay Nivey, Johnny Davis, Hunter Dickinson, as bad as Michigan's been, he's so good. Like, he's unbelievable too. So And EJ Liddell, forgot about him. Uh, he The Big Ten is such a good, like, indi- league for individual players. And uh, Purdue is clearly the best team in the league right now. I without hesitation like you can question their defensive ability but without hesitation right now I think Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten and it's kind of crazy too because Purdue I don't think they've had in a state where it's run by Indiana basketball you know it's kind of like a Brooklyn Nets New York Knicks type situation where in a state where the Knicks rule New York but it's Brooklyn that has the chance to be a contender and and win a title there. And now this is kind of Purdue's time to shine as well, where you, all the Purdue fans probably have to hear about the Indiana fans bragging about the Bobby Knight glory days and all that. And now you have ID, Evie, and Williams rolling in, and this team has a really legit shot to go to the Final Four. Uh, as long as they don't – I'm trying to think of the team. Arizona could give them a lot of trouble. Like – if Arizona doesn't get a one seed and somehow it's like, per, or vice versa, if it's one, two in that, I think that Arizona would give Purdue a lot of problems. Like that's the one team that I see just like pre-final four, like them, Gonzaga and Kentucky. Like those three teams are like, those are the teams where it's just like, do they have size inside? Yes. Can they bother Edie and Williams? Do they have the perimeter talent to match up with Jay and Ivy? Yes. Like those three teams are just so, so good. And they'll run with Purdue and they have the rim protectors to neutralize what Purdue does really, really well. So we'll see. I think Purdue, like you said, I think Purdue is the best team. As I meant, there's so many good teams in that conference, but Purdue is definitely the best of the bunch. And I think that we'll see them kind of roll through that Big Ten schedule and probably get a number one seed when it's all said and done. I think if you're the best team in the Big Ten, I think, and you win the regular season, especially this year, I think that's a huge accomplishment that needs to be recognized. But let's talk about one of the minor conferences where we're talking about teams doing well to improve their tournament standings. There were a couple teams in the WCC that didn't have great results. Uh, San Francisco losing on the road at Portland, quad four loss. And they have a quad two loss before entering that game and losing to Portland at home, which it's not good, Nate. <laughs> it's not good. The, the four bid WCC is dying. It, it, it's like we're on life. It's in a coma and <laughs> we're not giving it good odds here. BYU sucks. They're horrible. They got embarrassed by Gonzaga. They're losing. They've lost four in a row. Give Santa Clara some love. Yeah, we'll they're not going to. They're not going to make the tournament unless they win the conference. But 
they've beaten BYU and St. Mary's this season. So some love there. Yeah. But yeah, the four-bid WCC is dying. San Francisco probably can't afford to lose another game in the regular season. That's not Gonzaga. Yeah. I think that's I, right. Do you think that's right? I think so. When the game at St. Mary's is now becomes a must win for them. I agree with that for sure. So yeah. Oh, we, like one, like I, one of those two games is a must win. Either that one or the Gonzaga game, but I'm just assuming they're not going to be Gonzaga. Well, the only so. other game that they'll play that's representative, which is this, which I think Santa Clara might kill the conference on their own because they play San Francisco this Saturday at home as well. So I think that's, I'm not sure if San Francisco can afford to lose that game. They'll that's play all, but if they win, that's a sneaky quad. According to Ken Palm, I'm not sure where Santa Clara ranks in the net right now, but according to Ken Palm, that's a sneaky quad one win. Yeah, I think in the net, I think it would be a quad two win. Okay, well, those help. Not the worst. Yeah, they're not the. But the St. Mary's will be a quad one win for sure, though. Yes. At St. Mary's, they won't beat Gonzaga at home. Although I do think of all the teams in the WCC, I think San Francisco probably matches up the best. But yeah, I don't think I don't see any team losing to Gonzaga. And and are we giving some Gonzaga? Like according, I was looking, doing some research, comparing Gonzaga this year, Gonzaga to last year, Gonzaga. Gonzaga this year is farther than so last year it was like Gonzaga Baylor, and so this year we can let's say it's Gonzaga Auburn or whatever. But Gonzaga's or, farther yeah. away from the rest of the field this year than they were last year, and I don't think I don't get how that makes any sense. Yeah, Gonzaga <laughs> last year had an adjusted efficiency of besides Baylor. Uh, hard math here, 6.81 points per points. And then this year it is between the one and two teams. It is 6.03. Yeah. Like that's wild there. That's uh, nuts. Number two offense, number 10 defense in the country. So I'm not sure for Gonzaga there, they were probably at plus 200 to win the NCAA tournament at this point of the year. And now this year they're plus 550. So I don't know. There might be some a little bit of value there. I do like what they have with Holmgren and Timmy. Uh, they have that front court presence that they were missing last season. And, and they have the guards. They shoot really well. I think they have a little bit more depth. They use more of their depth, I think, this year rather than last year. And the w in the conference is undeniably better, so they're playing tougher competition as well. So I think that might help that number as well. Um, Absolutely agree with that on Gonzaga. The other mid-major fun result that we had yesterday. How about Wyoming? Dude, the Cowboys. Are, what can we are say? Are we believers in the Cowboys? I am a definitely a believer in the Cowboys. I'm a believer in Hunter Maldonado. Remember, two there's a time two years ago where. Wyoming upset Nevada as a as the bottom seed in the conference. Um, they won two games in the Mountain West tournament in the in the COVID year. Took the eventual uh, conference champion champion Utah State down to the brink in the second half. And two years, and I watched Hunter Maldonado during that stretch, and and he was a stud. And then two years later, now he's become magnificent. I knew Wyoming was going to be good, but I had my doubts after they lost their leading scorer, Marcus Williams, last year, where he transferred to AM. And he's just, he's kind of a unicorn, like a 6'7, 
guard slash forward that can post up in the post, handle the ball, and can shoot it, I guess, decently. Then Graham E.K. in the middle. And just those two guys have just taken over the conference. And of all the guys that we would, that David Rhodes of the world, Justin Beans in the world, they, they've fallen under the radar. And during conference play, they've knocked on the door and said, you guys got to have, you guys have to pay attention to us too. Yeah, Graham E.K., he's nice. <laughs> he's real nice. He had two fouls yesterday in the first half. They're uh, on the 16 minute mark, didn't appear the rest of the half. Only played 29 minutes. 28 points, 12 rebounds, uh, monster, left-handed, pure post player, doesn't really step out, gets to the free throw line a lot, 10 for 17 from the field yesterday. I love watching him play. He's a man after my own heart. Uh, but besides that, huge win over Utah State. Utah State needed that game bad if we wanted our hashtag five bid uh, Mountain West. Uh, Utah State can still get there, I think, if they went out but that's going to require road wins against Boise state and San Diego state. But if they get those, I think there's still like a path there plus a run in the mountain West. Yeah. Uh, it's weird for the Utah state. Cause they're in the metrics. Um, they have a, some pretty bad losses. They lost to UC Davis. They lost the air force. So those losses aren't good, but they still rank 32nd in Ken Palm. I'm not hundred percent sure where they are in the Nate in the net Nate, but they're, the metrics, like they're 29th in the offensive efficiency, 67th in defense. And they still have some quality quad one wins coming up. I still think this team's dangerous to make a run in the Mountain West tournament. I absolutely think they can win it, like without a doubt. And they can definitely make some noise. And they're good enough to where the losses wouldn't be bad. So I saw John Rossing said the five-bid Mountain West he thinks is going to happen. It's kind of pushing into existence in the way Rothstein does in the Roths, in the Rothstein uh, universe, where he tries to put things in motion through his catchphrases and his Twitter account and whatever he calls his like newsletter or whatever. But and his and his like Joker like grin on CBS Sports Network like it's kind of. <laughs> Has this turned into a John Rothstein, uh, what's it called, rant? Is yeah, that what this has turned into? Yeah, but I usually don't, not the biggest Rothstein fan, but if Rothstein's putting a five-bid Mountain West into play, I think we, we have the whole country is going to have to pay attention to it. If no one else is going to do it, we might as well have John. <laughs> He's We got him on our side. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and then – the final notable result from really notable result from Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday was Virginia. Duke is handing out quad one wins like they're going out of style in Coach K's final season. How uh, what's it called? I can't think of the word. It's not good. I'm a journalism major who can't think of a word. All right, talk about the Cavaliers, please. <laughs> yeah, so Virginia, a team that we thought was dead in the water and. I can't really figure out the ACC. Is everyone just kind of you? Just is everyone just kind of mediocre in that league? Just Wake Forest is good. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure Wake is good. So yeah, Duke Duke being ranked high is kind of building everyone up, and Duke's loss. That's their third ACC loss. 
I remember a friend of mine said they weren't going to lose any conference games. Can't remember who that is. Oh, it definitely wasn't this guy. <laughs> uh, I know it wasn't. Someone that someone that smart would never say something like that. I know. I don't think I don't think it was I don't think it was someone on this podcast. So, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> but the Blue Devils, especially at home, that's our second home loss. So. It's just one of those things where we're gonna question like this team's probably gonna lose early in the in the they have all the makings of losing early in the in the NCAA tournament. They're young, they're inconsistent. But credit to to Virginia, they're a perfect matchup for Duke. They they get back on transition, they slow the games down, they make it you play on a possession, possession basis. And Duke had to prove that they can win in the half court and they couldn't do it, even though they had superior talent. Just looking right now at like the at Ken Palm rankings, and if Duke is a three seed or a two seed, two seed seems a little high right now given their resume. Uh, but like just like teams that they could theoretically like match up with, like, are you taking Duke to beat Xavier in a winner go home situation? I think it makes the tournament kind of fun. Exactly, like, I agree with that. But like, is like this is just like a seven seedish team. Xavier's got like old guys. Michigan State's old. Marquette has Shaka Smart. Arkansas proved what they can do. Ohio State's tough as hell. Like these are really good basketball teams, and they're old and experienced basketball teams. Like Duke just doesn't have that. And like you said, that makes me nervous in a one-game elimination scenario. Really nervous, especially when the games are getting tight. And they're and every time the game gets tight, outside of the Gonzaga one, where they most controlled most of the game, Gonzaga kind of made a run. Like they haven't really won a close game outside they beat Clemson by two but they control I felt like they controlled that one a good amount as well in games so they're, one in, they're one in three yeah to game to uh exclam- exclamate your point uh Duke is one and f- two and five in games decided by less than five points so two and four two and four they only have four losses and yeah, and the one game where, where they won against Duke, they trailed by eight or nine, eight or between eight and twelve most of that game. Gonzaga made a late run, so yeah, don't trust the really don't trust the Blue Devils. Uh, I think there's a little bit of pressure with the guys playing in Coach K's so-called last year. I don't think he does them any favors, and I'm and as of right now, there's so many great coaches in college basketball right now where. I don't think Coach Case, he's the most accomplished, but if I'm taking a guy for a must what have to win a game to save my life, I don't think Coach K is the guy I'm picking. So <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. I don't think we missed anything well, from the last game we will talk about Monday. Texas, Chris Beard, That's beating right. Kansas. I had my entire betting account on the J. A lot of my bank account, not bank account, betting account. Excuse me, bet responsibly, people. Call one eight hundred. Call one eight hundred gambler, please. <laughs> um, Chris Beard beating Kansas, huge win for the Longhorns. Yeah, uh, just a super fun game to watch. It kind of felt like it was weird because like that game wasn't really one that, especially if Texas would win, that I was expecting to be high scoring. And it was, I, it didn't feel like an 80 to 76 game or 79, 76, but super fun game to watch. 
Christian Bishop was really a Timmy Allen was awesome. That was the Timmy Allen we saw at Utah last year on balling it up on relevant games on the Pac-12 network. Uh, he was unbelievable. He felt like he hit every mid-range jump shot. Trey Mitchell was really good too, 17 points. I love watching him play. Marcus Carr only scored 10 points, but he had some huge shots at the end of the first half. That kind of gave Texas some breathing room after a rough start. Uh, just a super impressive performance from the Longhorns. Kind of made you feel like that was the team we were looking at in the preseason where it was like definitive top 10, maybe a final four contender. Yeah, I still think they can really get there. Um, they won that game despite Marcus Carr shooting three for 13. Ramey was also three of eight. They shot 15% from three. So if you're going to tell me those, give me those three stats, I would, I don't think I would have give, given the long horse a shot to win that game. Yeah, Kansas was missing Remy Martin, and but still, big win for the Longhorns. We finally saw them using Trey Mitchell, too. He was 4 of 12 from the field, but 8 of 8 from the free throw line. He was at 17 points. I think he's a dif- dif- difference maker off the bench. Askew, although he only had two points, was really had a big assist in that game, controlled the ball. And, and we're starting to see this team really come together. And they beat Iowa State on Saturday by 22. That Texas Tech game was just a nightmare spot. I don't think if you play that game 99 times, I think Texas Tech wins that at home uh, every single time. They have that home win against Tennessee. So they're slowly building up to be playing their basketball at the end of the year, which most of the time Chris Beard's teams do. So we have to watch out for the Longhorns in that Big 12 race. They played Baylor on Saturday, which will be an interesting matchup. Yeah, we'll pre that preview that one Friday night. A uh, couple interesting games Thursday and Friday. It's not the most high-profile Thursday slate, but we have Michigan in maybe what is a must-win matchup against Purdue at home. Purdue just played – both teams just played Tuesday night, but Purdue probably had a lot more of an energy game against Illinois, as mentioned earlier. Uh, another notable one, Arizona at Washington State. Kind of like SMU, Washington State has really good metric numbers, uh, but they need that one. Their resume is really light. And, yeah, those are the two big games tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think Michigan can afford to lose that game. The must win. They played Purdue tough on the road on Saturday. Hunter Dickinson was just unconscious, kept them in the game. I don't know if he can, he's going to have to repeat that performance and then some, and that Michigan crowd's going to have to show up. So I think that might be a vulnerable spot for Purdue just because they played on um, – Tuesday, beat Illinois and having to come back, play their third game in six days. Tough spot for Purdue. So I might agree with that. And Michigan almost got caught in a look ahead spot against Penn State last night. Uh, Only got a one point win on the road in Happy Valley. They're a much better team than Penn State. They should have won that one by more, but they escaped. And now they have Purdue at home and Ohio State at home Thursday, Saturday. If they can win those two games, the Wolverines are probably here. Like they're like definitively in the tournament. I don't know if it's defi- it's a pretty damn good win though. So that North Carolina loss just looks horrendous. <laughs> I yeah. Just they just if they would have had a couple more wins in the non-conference slate, I would probably say yes, but 
Purdue and no born. And if they take care of business, we can put them in. All right. I like that team. They're uh, fun to watch. I would enjoy having them in the tournament. It'd probably be like every other like expectations based team in the NCAA tournament that just got in and get blown out in the first round. But, you know, could be fun. Uh, the other game tomorrow night, Arizona at Washington State. I like the Wildcats. Uh, Washington State's strength is kind of in their front court with F.A. Ogobidi, Mohamed Gea. Uh, they're a pretty good team, but I like Arizona. They got better players. Yeah, that's what it, that's the hard hitting analysis from me. <laughs> when both te- when both teams have the same strengths, uh, go with the better players. That's a fair fair assessment. Another well, Belmont minus ten revenge spot against Morehead State. Maybe double revenge spot after Morehead State kind of blew out their doors at home. And in the OVC final last year. And in the OVC, so is Belmont going to get? Third, 21 team again, Morehead State's 19-6. I think that's my one of my mid-major games of the day. Won't make a pick, but that's, I think that's a game we can also watch out for. And yep. BYU, if they lose that LMU, I think we can uh, – that's, that's it for now. <laughs> uh, uh, last game we'll go to Xavier UConn. We're talking about two older, gritty teams, Nunji versus Sonogo. Suggs versus Cole. I kind of, I can't, I'm actually pretty excited for this matchup. That's a great, like Xavier's a, Xavier's a super fun team to watch. And UConn is kind of hit or miss, but for the most part, they've been a decent team this season. And uh, going on the road, Xavier kind of needs that one bad. They haven't beaten anyone in the Big East of note. And it kind of like, I think they beat Marquette their first Big East game. But other than that, their Big East wins. They've swept Creighton and they've swept Butler. And and they've beaten DePaul once by one on the road and have a loss to DePaul at home. So Creighton's uh, resume is looking a little light. Don't think they're in danger of missing the tournament. Then racked up some decent wins in non-conference play. But uh, winning against UConn would be very helpful on Friday night. Yeah, for the Musketeers. Then the other game on Friday... Nice little Mountain West mid-major action. Fresno State going at Colorado State. Colorado State can boost the resume a little bit, while Fresno State has a chance for their uh, first quad one win. I don't think they're they're not an NCAA tournament at large team, but a team like Utah State who can make a run in the tournament if give or get, make a run in the Mountain West tournament. So Orlando Robinson, six foot eleven center. Probably a late round pick in the NBA draft. Really fun to watch how they play him with Colorado State doesn't really have a big inside defensive presence. David Rohde is great on offense, but how they're going to play him with Orlando Robinson will be very interesting. I think Colo- I think Fresno State is a sneaky underdog there. It's not very sneaky. It's a three-point spread given Fresno State's pretty good advanced uh, Ken Palm and advanced metrics numbers. But I kind of like how Orlando Robinson matches up with Colorado State. They're going to try and pull him out of, away from the basket. Orlando Robinson's very capable of that. He can knock down the three ball on the offensive end. He can guard the perimeter on the defensive end, block shots. I think he's going to give them a lot of problems. I don't know if they win that game, but I kind of like them as an underdog, at least to cover. And there we go. Um, 
we'll have get a preview out by Saturday morning for the good games on Saturday. Uh, it's always March, and we're getting it's it's uh, storm season. It's rush to court season. And we had a good one in Moody Coliseum tonight, baby. And so that was good. That was good. We're gonna keep watching out for those. And with that being said, we're signing off. Happy birthday, Nate Marcus! Don't do anything I wouldn't do, and enjoy it. Thank you. All right, and with that, we're out.